I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm willing to work as hard as I can. There is no past, there's no future, there's just this moment right here. If I did that, if I can get through that, like, come at me. Changing how I saw myself, like, as a man, not just as, as an athlete. It's okay that I struggled. It's okay, that's part of the deal. It's how I responded. Welcome to the Limitless Athlete Podcast by Mindset Rxed. I'm your host, Tom Foxley. You're listening to The Debrief, where myself and Rachel Burnett, our head coach, will discuss the key lessons and insights gleaned from the Limitless Athlete podcast with Zach George, fittest man in the UK. You can listen to the show in isolation as a kind of distillation of the major points of the interview with uh, Zach, or you can listen to the interview and follow it up by listening to this podcast. It's your choice. Now, let's get on with the show. Let's start with Zach's episode today. What was the first thing that you wanted to talk about today, Rachel? Mm, you know, I was really struck by how much he uses external tools to kind of harness motivation. So he uses a vision board and he looks at it every day and doesn't necessarily engage with it on a very deep level, but he, he looks at it all the time and it helps him to keep his goals top of mind. But what I was struck by is that a lot of people use that tool, but I don't think it works for everyone the same way that it works for him. So I'm really curious to know what you think about the, the idea that sometimes if we have our goals in, um, in our, in our face all the time, it can almost feel demotivating for some people. We see that in the digital mindset gym. It's kind of, mm-hmm. kind of, uh, this like crushing weight of like, I didn't do it yesterday. I didn't like do the thing I was supposed to. So what do you think makes Zach different from athletes? It's, it's yeah. a really interesting one. I think maybe it's the age at which you found this. Um, he was what, 12 when you're like in frontal yes. cortex doesn't stop developing until you're what, 25 on average yeah. and like yeah. maybe a bit later for guys yeah. like he is like I think it may be his age that'd be my first guess what do you think I could see that absolutely being the case kind of in the formative years using it as a tool it became comfortable and I think his early success with it played a role in that too so he already had a story that this is this is an effective way for me to achieve things that I want to achieve mm. Yeah, you said something like, um, when I set my mind to something, I need to achieve it. I'm not going to stop until I achieve it. And like, that's a really interesting phrase. And I think it it has that kind of very, I'm going to use the phrase yang energy. So kind of like that masculine stereotyped energy of like force pushing is going to happen as opposed to yin, like more calm, nurturing, smooth. Um, He used that kind of like aggressive energy there. And I think that's what a lot of us get caught up in terms of, like motivation strategies and like okay i've just got to think like that um so it's quite interesting to see him have that attitude towards towards like i am going to go out and achieve things but yeah maybe it's like it's baked in from being younger and i like what you said about how sometimes we are confronted with those goals like we sometimes when when they're constantly in our face it becomes this like i'm not there yet yeah, it's because it it is all about the outcome when you're looking at the end result constantly. Yeah, 
You know, it's interesting you bring up yang energy, that kind of masculine side of pressing. And we don't mean masculine and feminine in terms of actual gender. It's just a way of describing opposing forces. But you also mentioned when we were talking just before this, that he's a very soft-spoken person and kind of has this like calm demeanor. Mm -hmm. So I wonder if he's just struck a really good balance between that's kind of who he is, that like yin side, but he can tap into the yang when it matters. Yeah, like that's that to me is a fully developed human or a fully developed personality, someone who can use that um, that yin and yang. And I'm going to put in the caveat here. I don't think there's such a thing as a yin and yang energy. I think it's a useful metaphor and yeah. a useful way to think about things. I'm not a believer in chakras and things like that. And yeah, I don't yeah. think this uh, ties into it. But I do believe there's like a way of thinking about this and a way of nurturing your own personality. And Zach seems to have done that quite nicely, very softly spoken, very gentle, very kind. And like from the interactions that we have, very giving and very kind of nurturing. So there's like this maternal side almost. Mm. And then there's the paternal side as well. Like he's like quite goal driven, action orientated, um, knows how to push himself evidently. Um, and I think it's maybe he maybe he can be so forceful and pushing because he has the nurturing side as well. And that is also developed to such a high level that they kind of, there's tension on the arch. They, they kind of, they balance each other out. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking of persistence, it's how long did he have to work to reach the games? Was it seven years? Something like that. Yeah. I can't remember what's off my head. Yeah. 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 He set the goal. I want to make it to the games next year. And it took seven years. Mm. that's a yeah. that's a high high level of persistence and um and drive and patience yeah yeah i wonder how much of it does come back to that like this is why i was into um interested in speaking to him about the tony robbins seminar yeah. because i think there's a lot of people who go around on the and i'm don't mean to just shit on Tony Robbins straight away, but these type of seminars where yeah. you go there, you feel motivated for three weeks afterwards, you like really take action and it becomes too much and you burn out. And then next year you're back at the same seminar on the yes. next year and you kind of go around on this seminar merry-go-round. Yeah. Um, yeah, go on. But that's, I think there too is tying back into his early influences because mm. his father kind of set up the, it, all the family started focusing on nutrition Mm. on goal setting so everybody made vision boards and there's one more thing yeah i can't remember what it was I yeah they... remember what it was either but but the it wasn't just that like he went to the seminar and was really motivated it was that okay now as a family environment you're changing yeah. the way that we do things like this is our new reality now that's pretty yeah. cool and that environment thing about like surrounding himself in that place that that organization that structure that community transferred exactly into his current gym that he's set up or been a part of setting up and it's the whole community that are behind him and behind each other which is really cool that's what a community should be right yeah i totally agree and then i mean again like speaking of community the way that his the way that his uh gym is set up where anybody can come and work out with him if they want. Yeah, Thursdays at ten thirty, I think. I've, I think I've put that somewhere on my internal calendar. That I'm so going to. Go yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. Yeah, gonna, definitely going to happen. Yeah, it's it's really cool. Like the the fact that he's consistently referring to his goals because really we want that goal as a filter that's there. That it kind of you can run any choice between the through the filter of your ultimate goal and 
that narrows down the available options to you and therefore you choose the most appropriate one. Um, he's obviously doing that. And I think that's the value of his vision board, but it doesn't become overwhelming also because he's broken it down into smaller steps. Like he hadn't quite got the, I want to be this type of person in this moment. And maybe there's some room for growth there, or maybe it's just subconscious and he knows exactly who he wants to be. Um, But he has that kind of, okay, this is my purpose. This is what I'm, these are like the seven things I'm working on right now. And therefore my, my choices become very obvious to me. Yeah. Yeah. And he's so engaged in the process through that, like you said, because it's broken down into smaller steps. It's what, what is my job right now when it comes to achieving this goal? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Very focused. I'm thinking long-term as well. It's like, okay, I'm going to build up this kind of social media image and like, I'm going to build up this, um, this property portfolio. And like, and that may sound to someone like not training related, but it is because we think about like, how does this affect who I'm becoming in the 10 years from now? Like, where does that lead to? Like, what's the ultimate goal? And sometimes when you have that bigger vision, that yeah. ultimate grand vision of 10 years, yeah. the moments, moments, trials and tribulations become maybe more meaningful and more purposeful yeah. and less significant when you kind of, you view them over the time scale of 10 years. It's like that, um, he has a why can bear almost anyhow yeah absolutely yeah hmm. how would you recommend go on sorry no you ask me go ahead okay how would you recommend athletes use this kind of vision board like we we don't use vision boards very much for, no. for a few reasons we don't have room um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we all live in cities we've got small spaces <laughs> and um so yeah, how would you recommend people use this kind of refreshing of the vision to keep the top of the mind awareness and and always looking forward? You know, we we really teach athletes to focus on the emotion behind their three-year vision. So it's less about the what, and as you have have mentioned very briefly, and more about the who, who am I becoming? So we use a tool in our journaling practice called the direction review. And the first part of it is the vision where we just simply write out in three years time, this is, this is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is why it's important to me. This is why that'll feel good. There's a second and third portion to that. Should I talk about that too, Tom? Yeah. yeah good for it. Yeah. Yeah. So the direction is where we explore how am I doing so far? Am I doing the things I need to do? Do I need to adjust course? If I had to get it done faster, how exactly would I do that? So it's kind of our accountability tool, like our check-in, like, am, am I really on track? The final portion of it is intention. So we suggest setting between two and three intentions each day or for the week on that day around how we're going to get closer to achieving the vision. And this also really nicely ties into the AMWAP, the as many wins as possible exercise that we have, because then you're just giving yourself wins all day by doing the things that you said you would do. That's nice as well. I like the way you, you kind of, you've broken it down from vision to execution, because yeah. sometimes when just, when you think about, okay, I'm just going to write down my vision, what I'm going to achieve, what, what is success in me? Like, who do I become? That kind of thing. It feels a lot like manifesting and that's not what we're doing here. We're not just, it's not the secret. We're not like wishing and hoping it happens. We are putting together a plan of action every day and reconditioning that filter to limit the options presented to us. Ooh, can we talk about that filter? Cause I think that's, I think that's a really critical point of this. Um, you know, Zach brought up the secret and, um, 
yet we don't teach manifestation. Uh, what we teach is that all of us have subconscious stories and all of those stories lead to what's known as confirmation bias. So the things that we believe are the things that we see in the world. The easiest example is if I buy a new pair of shoes, all of a sudden I see everybody wearing the same pair of shoes as me. And it's not because I'm suddenly trendy. It's because now I'm noticing it for the first time. They've always been there before. So confirmation bias teaches us to believe our beliefs. But when we change our belief system when we're focused on who we're becoming and we're looking for opportunities to become that person moment to moment at decision points we teach ourselves to see the different ways that we can behave beautiful yeah. lovely stuff yeah like i can as, as you're speaking now i was applying that to oh this is how i've changed this how i've grown in, in my life and seen that happen like i used the, the story i used to have is i'm never going to be successful in air quotes whatever successful means um or another one that's even like even better I, I think maybe an example is i'm always going to be skinny um and it's like i was a skinny kid growing up and like that's what i saw and every time i struggled in the gym that's what i saw i saw someone who wasn't strong enough to push and that didn't have enough body mass to push um and it's like i saw that repeating itself and the proof therefore gathered towards it um and now eventually it shifted through a lot of work um, and a lot of proof in the physical world that just didn't stack up. But also, I think more importantly, the awareness of the belief and the pointing out to myself like, oh, this belief that I'm seeing myself as skin is just bullshit. And it's like it's a process. Maybe it's not fixed. And yeah. that gave me enough yeah. um, flexibility to then look at the alternative proof, which was the growth that I was on, mm. physical and mental. And then that reinforced the story. And I was able to grow through that. And thus we've explained a large part of the mindset direct method. <laughs> Winner. Right. We're done. We'll, we'll close the podcast now and never do another one. We're done. <laughs> we completed mindset forever. Um, if we weren't to complete mindset and we were to go, go back and explore something else. The thing I found very interesting is how Zach spoke about his dad being very driven action orientated like right i've had enough of this we're going to go and like change we're going to make a change i'm going to take you all to the seminar i'm going to buy you this book and do whatever like we're just going to do this and then we're going to move on mm. and then the contrast there was with his mother and the story that he kind of he touched on very briefly i don't know whether he's mentioned that before i haven't heard him talk about it before but mm. his mother wanting kids like and having a, a it was a 13 miscarriage or something along the way or, or, or a few like seven yeah yeah, yeah it, it was, was a lot of miscarriage yeah heartbreaking yeah it must have been incredible and in terms of just so difficult to go through that time and time again and the thing he mentioned there is like his mum became quite um i don't know maybe protective in this yes. move like became quite protective of him which i can completely understand i think i'd probably do the same in the same situation um and i'd definitely do the same had the same upbringing background belief system like that that's exactly what you would do um but it's interesting how he saw that and related it to his body image mm. and the way he saw himself and the way that that created um his overweight childhood mm. was it almost um was it almost a learned helplessness yeah maybe let's let's unpack that a little bit yeah yeah so when we when we grow up with a parent who 
basically like infantilizes us, doesn't allow us to make mistakes, doesn't allow us to go through things and, and face hardship kind of on our own terms and face adversity. They kind of remove obstacles for us. What ends up happening is we learn that we can't remove our own obstacles. We need someone else to do it for us. We also tend to expect that to keep happening when we're adults. Mm. So it's like the giant complaint about millennials. I'm sorry to every millennial out there. I'm not saying that this is you. Everybody gets upset. I'm not saying that that's true, but yeah. Well, it's the Oedipal complex, isn't it? It's the, the, you have your, the mother in this role, in this example, like protects the son. That's the, that's the story of it. And so there's no difficulty to push against. Um, and it's like, do you want, the, the question that unravels that is, do you want a safe child or a safe person who relies on you or a strong child? And that's the trade-off between the two. Um, it's a, I think, impossible one to answer, but there's a kind of a vague gray area in the middle that's probably about right. Yeah. Yeah. I think most people would agree. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a tough one. But interesting how that kind of, we're not just a, we're not just a product of our own mindset and our own experiences. We're a product of those people who are who are around us and surround us and their experiences and the people that touch them and the the um, evolutionary lineage that led to each individual person and that creates you um it's a very literal way of a, a village it takes a village to raise a child like in, in that kind of way it, it's like all of these things go into raising one person yeah all of these things go into influencing one person and yeah. who they who they are at least mm. when they start mindset work correct correct <laughs> yeah um nice what else is on your list rachel what else was on my list for this one um i want to dive into i, I think you're going to talk about visualization right well i was going to just ask you endless questions about visualization oh i mean that works for me <laughs> <laughs> um you know i i highlighted here um that one of one of his one of his best qualities is how persistent and resilient he is. And he was able to describe himself that way. I, I think that's actually a really powerful lesson for all of us is the ability to see what we're really good at and what we love about ourselves and being able to own it rather than, rather than that energy that says nothing I do is good enough. It took me seven years to make the games. Right. But what he sees is like, wow, I've been really persistent and resilient and I respect myself for that. That's cool. Yeah, he's reinforced his strengths. Yeah, yeah, I found that really neat. Yeah, that's awesome. So he, he's gone away and he's not turned something negative into a positive. He's seen it really truthfully, yeah. which is like, it's not pitting himself about it, but it is, you know what, I'm really persistent. I really stick at things. Yeah. And that that reinforces the positive, path. it creates that confirmation bias you were talking about earlier. Yes. Yeah. Nice. We just went through a digital, actually just, we at some point this year, a few months ago, went through a programming cycle in digital messaging where we, we thought about our strengths and our character strengths and we kind yeah. of like, we reinforced those. What was your thinking in, in prescribing that for everyone? You know, it is so easy. I think, especially for folks who work on mindset, we are, we can get into this into this habit of thinking about it as though I'm trying to fix what's broken about myself, but that's not how we think about mindset work. Mindset work is this privilege to 
facilitate our own growth. It's not about fixing what's broken. It's about growing a flower in a pot. It's, it's a totally different thing. So when we're thinking about fixing what's broken, we're always thinking about the things we don't like about ourselves and that we want to change. And I'm not saying that there aren't things that we don't like about ourselves and want to change. That's a part of being a human person. But if we can harness the things that we do like about ourselves, the things that we respect and value, that points us to who we are becoming because we can just enhance those qualities. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely it does. Yeah. yeah. Like every, all of us have superpowers. They're all different. And overemphasizing the things that we don't like about ourselves to the detriment or minimization of the things that we do like about ourselves that we would not change for anyone or any reason. That's a, that's a mindset mistake in and of itself. Mm. Yeah. I, I like the way that we, again, we're not trying to see everything as a strength and we're not ignoring our weaknesses. We're not ig ignoring the fact that like, okay, maybe we take the easy option occasionally when we might not, or maybe I'm a perfectionist. Like maybe I go down that route. Like maybe that is my natural tendency and I'm still going to work on that and still going to try and improve it. And still there's, there's room for growth there, but maybe I should alongside that instead of just trying to eliminate what turns out to be parts of who I am and uniquely me, maybe I should lean into the other side of that. Yeah. So for example, yeah, maybe you're a perfectionist, but maybe what comes along with that is you have a great eye for detail and you can yeah. really notice things that other people don't. And I think that's maybe what it comes down to is like, okay, we've got these two extremes and somewhere in between that is this, this ideal that we've been taught yes. that we should aim towards was it Aristotle's ideal or Plato's can't remember one one said that like there's an ideal between ex two extremes and that's where virtue lies and um, yeah. I think it's quite often we're like okay I should be bang in the middle I should be this exact piece but actually either side of that equation either side of that middle ground lends itself to some some positives too yeah. and maybe leaning into those and using those your persistence and your willpower or whatever it is for you that is where you create your growth as well as maybe just nudging yourself away from the kind of the, the non-serving extreme too. Yeah. I mean, us at our, each of us at our best is in a place of self-love and I don't mean self-love, like I'm great. I love myself all the time. It's that it's that parental love that we've talked about before. It's I am a human person and I have weaknesses that I do not find acceptable and I will change them, right? So the disciplinary inside of, of being a parent, but also at the same time, the unconditional support. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's almost chaos and order again. It's uh, yeah. maternal and paternal. It's, yeah. it's the, the, these, these uh, yeah, nurturing and forceful sides, which Zach seems to have put together into one neat human being as well and one real neat human being yeah um yeah he's perfect there's, there's nothing wrong with him i'm sure <laughs> i'm sure he doesn't get down himself at all or, or find things difficult oh, yeah. um <laughs> he's just got endless willpower and that's what it is hey if you're enjoying this episode chances are you'll enjoy our free ebook how to stop substandard self-critical plateaus and unleash your potential it's a step-by-step -step guide to finding your mojo again and getting back to the athlete you know you can be. It's free, you just have to stick your email address in and download it. To find it, head to mindsetrx.com slash ebook. That's mindsetrxd.com slash ebook.
Now, let's get on with the show. Visualization. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about visualization um, and how you believe he used it. Man, he he hits the sweet spots that we talk about at Mindsetter X. So visualization needs to have two components. There's the macro vision of who am I becoming? What are the things I'm achieving? Who do I need to be to do those things? And then what are the steps I need to take to be that person? Then there's micro visualization. So he talked about visualizing events. That's how we create strategy. That's the sports specific side of visualization, though you can also apply that kind of thing to interviews, to um, dates, whatever, whatever your, your personal area of growth happens to be. We can apply that micro visualization to how am I going to do the things? What's my preparation going to be like leading up to it? There, he, he does both, which I think is fantastic because a lot of people tend to do one or the other. Mm. Yeah, that's exactly right. I was, I'm really glad you brought up the micro versus macro things. They're, they're both important. One of them, well, they're, they're both rewriting the story, but one of them's giving you very specific technical cues about this is what I'm going to do in the moment. And one of them is giving you a kind of much broader gist of this is what I'm feeling and this is how I'm getting there. And like, I thought it was really cool because we we teach us time, time again. And um, like sometimes it gets a bit kind of put down that you shouldn't be looking at how to how the feeling is. But like mm. we see it working, like we see it time, time again, working with athletes with that kind of this is the this is how I'm going to feel when I stand on the podium. That's exactly what Zach said. When I'm standing on the on the um on the podium, this is how I'm going to feel. Yeah. This is what the emotions I'm going to have. And that was really cool. Yeah, it was super cool. Well, and there's there's a scientific reason that that works too. When when we our brains cannot tell the difference between reality and our imagination. There's no difference to our brains. The the thing that creates a memory is emotion. So, if I am imagining myself achieving some goal and there's a high amount of emotion to it, I'm creating a memory of achieving that. And that not only feels good, uh, but that feel good feeling leads me to doing the things I need to do in order to get to feel good. So, it's this feeling that reinforces the action that we're going to get there. So, again, looking at the, the future is very useful if we're predicting it to be, or if we're, we're creating those memories of like, I am feeling this way, I am going to be successful in my pursuit. Yeah, totally. And you know, there's a, I do want to highlight this. There's a big difference between doing that, visualizing success and how you'll feel when you achieve a goal and fantasizing. Mm. Fantasizing is similar in that you're visualizing achieving a goal, but it is, it's somehow like idealized. Mm. Okay. So what, what would be an example of that? Uh, for a typical crossfit, let's say. It feeling easy and effortless. Uh, okay. Because that's a lie to yourself. Exactly. Because if you are going to podium at the games, it is not going to feel easy. It's going to suck. <laughs> it's going yeah, to feel like yeah. the hardest thing you've ever done in your life. So effective visualization incorporates what we call bracing. And bracing is a way of reminding ourselves, all right, this is going to be the hardest fight of my life. I am up to the challenge. Yes. I want it bad enough. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. And preparing yourself, stealing yourself for yeah. this is, hey, this is going to hurt. <laughs> this is going to be uncomfortable and this is going to be painful. But like, again, it's it's almost like um, Matt Fitzgerald was talking about that, that strategy of like, you've got to look at how uncomfortable this is going to be. Yes. This is going to be incredibly tough. And I'm not going to hide from that. I'm going to own up to it. And instead of trying to make the task easier, I'm going to enable myself to be tougher and more resilient. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If we picture ourselves like floating to the front of the line and, uh, you know, smiling really big and everything just works out perfectly. Um, when that doesn't happen, that disconnection from reality, feels like a slap in the face. So that's when we see athletes like crumble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I laughed this... when I said that. That sounds very mean. Yeah. That's all good. We can, we can laugh. <laughs> um, so there's something that Alison Scuds mentions in not next week's podcast, the week after, um, where she's talking about effortless effort. And that is, I think, the goal here that we're trying to pre prepare ourselves for. And um, when we worked with Brent Fikowski as well, he was in a similar thing. Like, okay, this is how I, I know it's going to feel. It's like, it's still hard work. Yes. The, the output, the wattage that you're creating, the, um, the, the actual physical tough is... Uh, the physical act is so tough that your body's screaming and hurting and you've got nothing left but the choice to put yourself in that place becomes almost not a choice because you condition your mindset and your belief system to say this is who i'm becoming this is who i'm on my this is who i am and yeah, that's what the visualization does right now <laughs> yeah 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 this is this is what i'm good at this is what i'm meant to be doing this is what i do yeah as opposed to i'm forcing myself against a non-serving belief system uh, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that aspect of visualization is really important to note. It's not the same thing as fantasizing. We do an exercise in digital mindset gym called premeditatio malorum, which is the act of premeditating evils, which is to say that we picture things that could go wrong and how we'll deal with them. So you kind of prepare your mind to face hardship. Nice. So for example, if missing a lift in competition or if you turned up to the gym late or you turn up to, or you missed a flight on your way to a competition, something like that, like all these things that could go wrong, you've prepared yourself and you've kind of, you've got, you've kind of, you've always, you've already been there. If you're using the idea that your, your, your mind doesn't know the difference or your brain doesn't know the difference between reality and imagination, you've already been there. You've already done it. So you're not figuring it out for the first time. Yeah. Exactly. You're not figuring out for the first time. And you, because of that, you have the confidence that you can deal with other hardships too. Yes. Nice. Yeah. Like that a lot. So we've got this kind of visualization or imagination work around the ultimate goal. And yeah. like, this is who I'm becoming and the feeling behind that. We've got the, what could go wrong? Mm -hmm. Okay. We're like, what, what's the challenge the difficulty I'm working on and how can I, um, generate the confidence to adapt to what about the micro side of things like pre-lift routines um pre-workout routines like um going up to a successful lift successful gymnastic movement a skill practice yeah yeah there's a lot of ways to perform micro visualization we we do like to teach athletes to do it right before they lift because it just reinforces good technique Many athletes need to start micro visualization by picturing themselves performing the lift from outside of their bodies. So mm -hmm. I'm, I may like watch an Instagram video of a great lifter and just put my face on her face <laughs> to, to help me visualize that better. Mm -hmm. 
that's the, that's the first step. As we become more skilled in that visualization, eventually we move into our own bodies. So that's what Zach was describing. He's at that stage now where when he is doing that micro visualization, he's seeing it as though he's performing the movement. So he's hanging from a set of rings. His eyes are seeing what he's going to see. This is also a really important technique for competitors. If you know your venue, then you can create some really good moments for yourselves by visualizing yourself performing in the venue, seeing what you're actually going to see. Yeah. And again, not seeing it as though it's going to, you're going to breeze through it and it's going to become yeah. easy, but seeing it as like, you know what, I'm like, I'm, I'm working really hard. Like I can feel like there's, there's certain bits of visualization that I'll use. And sometimes in a CrossFit scenario and sometimes in, in another scenario where I, I feel the physical sensations that I'm visualizing. Yeah. Um, so like, that is a crazy thing that your body actually creates that that physiological response from your imagination this way you get yeah. nerves and all this kind of stuff and you get butterflies in your stomach and like you you feel sensation your heart rate increases because it's preparing itself for that and like that is what you mean when you're saying that your your mind doesn't or your brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality it's physiological it has, responses yeah it has no idea and i love that i love the addition of the feel. Um, anyone who has ever picked up a barbell and it was heavier than expected, pre-visualization helps with that. Mm, <laughs> if, you're, yeah. if, you're, if you're preparing yourself for like, all right, it's going to, it's going to feel heavy on this first pull. It changes the way that the lift feels. Mm. So we're trying to create this like full sensory experience because mm. sometimes th this is why we typically use the word imagination instead of visualization at MyTorx yes. because imagination, oh sorry, visualization, you're visualizing, you're, it's your visual field. And sometimes people get wrapped up in this idea that um, I've got to be behind my eyes looking out and I'm creating this visual field in front of me. And that's what visualization is. But you're not just, you don't have just one sense, that you have everything going into that. So you have the feel of the barbell, the touch, the sensation. Like if you can feel that knurling, like you can always get there. If you feel your hook grip digging in, it's like now I'm preparing myself for reality. And the smell of the chalk in the dirty environment and Ugh. like yeah yeah lovely like that's <laughs> that's the best thing yeah yeah <laughs> like the like everything the sound of barbells like the, even the taste of that kind of the iron bloods like metallic-y taste in your, in your mouth when you've been on the assault like if you can prepare yourself for that and and kind of teach your mind teach your subconscious that you know i'm safe in this environment I've been here before and I didn't die because that's essentially what your mind is trying to stop it's you from doing. Game. It's like, yeah. shit, I'm going to die. There's no lion chasing me down. And I'm just, yeah. And I'm just doing this because like, I'm, yeah, I'm preparing, I'm, I'm saving myself from death. And um, so if we can show it that it's safe and it's been there before, then we have the freedom to perform. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Is there anything we, yeah. Well, you mentioned, you mentioned imagination and that kind of triggered something for me, but the, the dog keeps on barking at me. She's very impatient this morning. So, so I lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Imagination. Well, I remember when, um, when I first started working with you, one of the things that you said that I think is really important to point out here too, is that we're always using our imagination constantly. We're, ne we're almost never not using our imagination. So harnessing it in this positive way, at least more frequently than we're doing right now is a really great way to start basically rewriting the stories that we're telling ourselves. We're basically just taking control of our mind. 
yeah that's a really good point like how we're cons consistently imagining what we're doing um when i was so i was interviewed by jens who's a friend of mindset rx the other day on his um on his podcast and this professional fitness coaches association a little plug for them because they're, they're doing great stuff and they're very close to us on the podcast chart as well so we need to overtake them in a friendly way um <laughs> like I was, I was being interviewed with him one morning he was like oh, okay this is going to be like a fairly big audience like it's like i really like them i want to create like the best show possible for everyone i want the audience to love it um and i was brushing my teeth before and i was without trying to visualizing the interview how i wanted it to unfold and this kind of this this practice before i got there mm. and there's a reason we're doing it um this in in this case kind of interestingly became non-serving because like oh what could go wrong how would i overcome this um okay. and like it became like a fear thing whereas i wanted mm. to go in there with more of a kind of like openness to the environment um, yes. but you're right we are always imagining things we're always conditioning our mind we're always conditioning our mentality and who we're becoming just like our posture conditions of our body and i'm going to sit up more straight when i say that um yeah we're always we're always conditioning who we are and yeah. you can be deliberate with that or you can just let things happen to you yeah oh i, I just really want to touch on the fact that it's it's so um, common that we start out with the serving behavior of, of using our imagination and then it turns into self-consciousness and then we get stiff and rigid and it's a lot harder to just be ourselves. Yeah. I appreciate that you called that out. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. there's one last thing I want to touch on, which Let's was how Zach didn't enjoy training initially, how he yeah. hated it, how he like, it was like an uncomfortable thing, but the, the physical act of performing things, um and performing habits actually created the mindset change it kind of i see it as this working from two angles yeah. there's one the the objective proof that reinforces your mindset if you're in this environment that is reinforcing um reinforcing your mentality this creates creates that and your your experience this when we talk about experience is one of the four E's that creates beliefs and yes. um, your experience creates your beliefs um, and then there's also the work you do on your mentality that frees you up from this non-serving beliefs too so they they work together and i found it quite interesting how Zach started off with smallish patterns smallish behaviors and they grew in confidence and grew in um yeah grew in what he believed he could achieve yeah. Well, and so different from many people who take up any type of lifestyle change, instead of going 100% all in, I need to do everything perfectly or nothing. He went in with a friend and they just did what they wanted and didn't, and I think described as like goofing off. Like mm -hmm. <laughs> they probably, he was like, probably weren't getting very fit, but at the same time, he was just building a habit. And sometimes taking the, I wouldn't say sometimes often taking the approach of going into the gym to enjoy ourselves is much more serving long-term than going in saying, I need to be at a hundred percent every single time I walk in the store. Yeah. You're so right there. This yeah. is like triggering the, the, the idea or the memory of when I first started climbing, I did it and I loved it and I got really good really quickly. Part of that is like newbie gains, but like, because mm. like, you're not very good and you experience, it. but part of it is I was just having so much fun. And then it's like, you know what? I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to start training for this. And I'm going to be dedicated because I know I can get more and I'm going to force more out. And it sucked all the enjoyment out of it. And when the enjoyment went, 
I stopped training as frequently, I had to force myself to be there, um, and I didn't improve very quickly. Now I've managed to find the fun again in training. Same thing happened when I was in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Did yeah. really well. Like I improved very quickly. I, I started like doing very, very well in competitions and that kind of thing. And then I was like, right, I am going to train four times a week. And that's soul crushing in jiu-jitsu <laughs> to train mm. four or five, six times a week. Um, and it takes the fun out of it. It's like, can we bring the fun back into our training? Yeah. Yeah. And how how do how do we do that? How do we bring the fun back into training? I think so yeah. many people struggle with this. Yeah. Um I like to think about what originally excited to me about it. Like, what was it? Like, try and put myself back in, in those environments. How do you think about this? Mm. I went through a period of time where training wasn't fun. And for me, it, it stemmed from putting a lot of pressure on myself to improve very quickly. And so I was overtraining, like under recovering overtraining. Mm. Um, so my body didn't feel good. Like it, I, I was in pain all the time. So for me, bringing the fun back to training was in part letting go of the pressure I was putting on myself, which meant I had to uncover the story that that was happening in the first place because I didn't know it was subconscious. And then intentionally defining why I was in the gym. And we talked about this on the podcast before, but I'm not in the gym to be a competitive athlete. I'm not interested in that. I'm in the gym to feel good, uh, get, get my body moving because that feels good and to feel strong and capable. Those are my, those are my goals. And so it's kind of like we've been talking about everything I do in the gym is filtered through that lens. I'm not here to be a competitive athlete. I'm here to feel good feel strong and capable. So there are days where I skip the Metcon and only do my lifting. And there are days where I just do the Metcon and skip my lifting. And there are days where I do both and it all comes out in the wash. Mm-hmm. So it's a really long-term relationship I'll have with the gym. So each individual training session is exactly what I need in that day. That's really nice. And what I like about that is how it's unique to you. Like the, yeah. the that to me, like it makes me feel good as well the idea of like i'm not here to be competitive athlete i'm not here to be winning competitions like yeah. that to me is good but to other people that might mean be the dreariest idea of a yeah. vision ever that might be like oh okay well what's the point in competition that's what yeah. i used to think anyway like it's like what's the point of doing this if i'm not here to win and like yeah. to them that might completely turn them off but to but they might not be in an environment that's competitive enough for them to grow so maybe them seeking something more competitive maybe them treating themselves a bit more like a the elite athlete that they want to be and and kind of yeah and yeah and redefining success that will help them find the fun because that's what was maybe fun about it originally anyway yeah and now you're making me think you know what is fun what we all have fun in different ways i i don't have fun competing i do compete uh but i don't have fun competing i have fun reading sharing experiences putting together events like that's how i have fun So how we have fun matters, but it also matters what our ultimate purpose is. If we're working towards our purpose, then what we're doing is fun. Mm. But nothing about my purpose has anything to do with being a competitive athlete in the gym. It's completely (laughs) incongruous to what I want to do with myself. Precisely. Yeah, precisely. Yeah, this is is why we talk about mindset being a one one size fits one tool. This isn't... You can't create something for everyone or an exact recipe for everyone because you are you. Like we spoke about with with Zach's situation and his parents, like 
everything that created them was unique to them and therefore created a completely unique individual um it, it created that person beyond any other defining character trait that they have or attribute they have biological or otherwise like that who they are is an individual and that's what makes you uniquely capable to go and express yourself mm. and also it creates your personal meaning your personal interest what triggers you to be excited what captivates you yes. and it's all about leaning into that as opposed to trying to as as well as conforming to what's essential but like as, as opposed to conforming to what other people expect of you yeah well we've basically just described intrinsic motivation apologies the dog is chasing her tail now <laughs> it's a very dog-based behavior got it it's never getting away yeah. uh <laughs> the silly girl our um, intrinsic motivation yeah intrinsic motivation right it's ex extrinsically motivated for us to think i have to prove that i belong here or um you know i need to like win this workout like why <laughs> to to what end but intrinsic motivation is based on what we find fun and what fulfills our purpose nice That's simple yeah and it takes work to find that but <laughs> yes. it's 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 you and you know what i think I think the work that you have to do there is turning off the bullshit and listening yeah. better because quite often we confuse those in external voices that we've heard so much that they become echoed within our own mind we confuse those for our own thoughts and our own individual yeah. perspectives but yes. that real you it's in there it's deep in there and it takes patience and softening and listening mm -hmm. instead of forcing this outcome and we've circled it back to environment, right? Like the people that we surround ourselves with and who we're following on Instagram, those are all influencing what we believe we're supposed to be striving for. Like what makes a good human being? Yeah, which is exactly why we do the mindset training camp as a group. That's exactly why we put the digital mindset gym as a group. It's why we do the, the coaches level ones and twos as a group because it's all about the group that you surround yourself in um, and the people that you surround yourself with. And you know what? Geographically, sometimes it's not possible to change your environment. It's yes. like sometimes you've got a job, you've got family, you've got commitments, you've got whatever that mean I have to be here and there's no getting away from it. Yeah. And maybe they're not the most serving people to be spending time with, but you live in you live in 2021 slash whenever you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> this is the most connected time ever where you can find your group of people and you can they're around. And yeah, that's that's what like is a huge part of creating change. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the debrief partner episode of the limitless athlete podcast we're following up each episode with these quick ish and applicable summaries make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on upcoming episodes with crossfit games athletes coaches authors educators and other inspiring people who will help you find your next level of mindset growth and performance inside and outside of the gym if you enjoyed the show, please take the time to leave a five-star review on iTunes or share the episode with your friends. It really does go a long way to supporting the show. See you next week with another mindset-shifting interview and a debrief episode to follow up.